This podcast is part of the Craftology Radio Network. Visit craftologyradio.com to learn more. Good evening, craft beer. My name is Donnie. And this is Joe. And this is The Fandalorian. You must reunite it with its own kind. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature? This is the way. All right. Well, Joe, welcome. Um, Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, brother. We are finally here. It is the finale of The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode, what, uh, 7? Season 2, Episode 7 and 8, Chapter 15 and 16, which was The Believer and The Rescue. Yeah, we decided to do this two-parter since you've got our two lovely voices on this one. Um, I know Joe's been pretty busy with things going on, and and both episodes are solid, so we want to talk about both for different reasons. If you were on the chat or the um, Facebook group, you saw some dialogue there going back and forth with some stuff. And by now, uh, episode 15, The Believer, has been out for, for a week. So we're not going to hold any punches, um, even though episode 16 just came out. Uh, we're still just going to kind of dive right into it. Um, unless, Joe, you want to kick us off with anything at the top here before we, we get into the content. I just want to remind everybody that this is a fantastic show that Disney has outdone themselves. And uh, we've got so much more, as we saw from the announcements last week, of what's coming down the pipe for Star Wars shows. So, you know, we'll remind you again, if you got a thought about the episode or a favorite scene from either episode or you want to discuss Mandalorian or Star Wars in general, hop on our Craft Brews and Geek News Facebook group. We've been seeing a lot of posts coming up, and that's been great. Um, We love talking about the show. We want to hear your thoughts. But right now, Donnie, I see a spoiler spotlight in the sky. You got to put on (laughs) your Mando helmet. (laughs) That's right. That's right. You're glaring off my helmet. Yeah, definitely. uh, This is where we're going to get right into spoilers. We typically go through and we talk a little bit about, you know, thoughts on the show, thoughts on what we think, predictions. But since those predictions are well, pretty Proof. accurate, somewhat accurate, yeah. <laughs> but over. We can't really predict what's going to happen past this, and we'll, we'll throw in some ideas, but we figure we just jump right into both episodes, kind of knock them out back-to-back. Um, that way, those of you that haven't seen um, episode 16 yet, we won't. We'll, we'll provide another warning before we get there, but by now, 15 is out, and most folks should have seen The Believer. So um, let's kick it off there, Joe. And, and like I said, we won't we won't run through you know the shot-by-shot shot of the episode. I just wanted to do some quick hit-style things that really caught my attention, and I had some notes jotted down. So we'll kind of start at the beginning, and may, we may bounce around a bit. But if you're on board with that, Joe, I can go ahead and kick us off. Let's go ahead and do it. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you're still sticking around, you better have seen the show, or you are going to hate yourself <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's let's start it off yeah sounds good um what i first liked about this one of course the the scene kind of opens with uh the junkyard right and we're, we're going to get bill burr back um and I, I think i was misquoted myself in a previous episode of the Fandalorian when i said that bill burr you know i wasn't sure what the what the hitch was or why or what what his role was with the empire but but this episode really does make sense as to why we need him he has access or had access to imperial codes similar to um, you know, the uh, the original uh, Star Wars movies that we saw in the 80s when they were trying to infiltrate the Death Star. They used an old Tidarian shuttle and, uh, and you know, used some old codes that, though outdated, still worked. Similar yep. kind of pathway there. So I really, really enjoyed um, the reasoning for that, for getting Bill yeah. back. I also found it was interesting that Mayfield chose Morak out of all the Imperial bases out there that he could have gone to. He chooses to... Uh, go to this one base that happens to have his same commander from Operation Cinder. Like, it really adds a different layer if you think about it from that perspective. Um, so I just I just found that kind of interesting. Of all the bases, this is the one that you happen to pick. Um, I also did enjoy that nice little reference to uh, K2SO with a different head. 
as the uh, prison guard. That was kind of fun. Yeah, the prison guard was was interesting, and it was it was you know it had the um the 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 new rebellion logo on his chest, and that was a, that was an interesting nod because you never really see this whole episode. In fact, was kind of ass backwards, as in you never see the the prisoners of the new rebellion or you know cheering coming from the the stormtroopers. I mean, it's usually the other way around. So it was interesting. We'll get into that in a bit, but um, yeah. I love the the repurposed ATAT. I love all the little nods and little bits of pieces. If you really comb through that junkyard pile, I bet you could find some interesting stuff not just tie fighters and whatnot that that was glaringly obvious but um yeah. a lot of cool stuff and a lot of background characters there too different species and stuff that we've seen in the past so i like that yeah. a lot and i also love that when we get out of that scene and we jump into the slave one we see the inside of the slave that was one for big, the first time that was a that, big deal that yeah. gimbal on the deck whatever so much and nobody's even looking at it in, <laughs> in. it's like oh yeah ships do this but it's still really an amazing moment it, it is amazing, and it's weird the speed at which that thing can rotate. Because there, there, we'll get back to it again in, later in this episode. But like the the quickness with it, you think a thing like that's got to do that many gears, and it it looked like a transformer was behind, and the way it was like cogging around and turning and spinning, and you know whatever, it looked better than a transformer, but it looked really crazy. So I I, I love that. I thought that was awesome to finally see inside Slave One to that degree. Oh yeah, we, we saw. Oh we yeah, saw it was incredible. Well, you it, also but. got a better idea of the size of the ship and how much is involved in it. And I, I just, I really appreciated seeing that. I love that um, before they move forward, Fett took the time, Boba Fett took the time <laughs> to give himself a paint job yeah. and get the, get the uh, armor all shining up again. He added the right stickers and, and he kept the dent in the helmet. Like I, I really respected and enjoyed all the costuming for both episodes. It was, it was spot on. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So um, when we get to Morak, you know, right. I I loved Mayfield becoming his character growth through this entire episode was incredible because, you know, he starts out uh, questioning Mando. Like, is it is it not about showing the face or is it not about taking off or is it about not showing your face or not taking off your helmet? Which is it? And then you get this humanity from Mayfield where he's talking about his experience in the Empire and, and you've, you 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 start to identify why he left the empire and became a mercenary. He's still not a good guy, but he's not necessarily a bad guy either. So I, I think it added a lot more humanity to his character than we saw in episode or chapter six, which was the prison break episode. Yeah. And I liked, I liked, I mean, of course the dialogue, once they get into the, uh, the transport vehicle to, to get the, um, Rhydonium, like down to the refinery, that was that was pretty badass. But like, what I liked just seeing, I always like seeing like these lush, um, earth-like or forest or whatever tropical planets. I think it's just mm-hmm. always cool because we get a lot of sand, we get a little bit right. of snow. <laughs> we, you know, most of them look like a rocky crag or something. I get that; it's easier to do, I guess. But when you see these big lush um, landscapes, it really does remind you that there's more to the galaxy than just right. Tatooine and deserts. So yeah, I just like it's, seeing it's the nice to get a jungle every now yeah. and then. Yeah, it know? really. <laughs> now I feel like we don't get enough of them. So, <laughs> and well, and I love that we got a new race with the Shydop. Yeah, um, they were a lot of fun. I love that whole chase sequence with so many. the heat going up and down. I love the cannonball run feel of it. Yeah. You know, it's so many thermal detonators. So <laughs> many thermal detonators, and really well put together action. Uh, I didn't mention this episode was directed by Rick F- uh, Fumiyua. He was the same guy who directed the Prison Break episode. So it makes sense for the Mayfield character. And he also directed Chapter 2, which was um, um, rolling back to uh, the rescue of Yoda from Pershing the first time. Uh, but, yeah, I thought uh, I love how much action was there. And also in the concept art at the end, they uh, uh, 
Disney did put in a uh, a little Easter egg by having um, uh, what's his name from uh, the second sequel trilogy uh, or pilot Oscar, Oscar Isaac's character. I cannot believe I can't remember his name, but he actually is cut in on the concept art as one of the pilots of the the shut ups uh, um, invasion vehicles onto the crawler. Really? Um, in like two different shots. Yeah, they they added him as a Easter egg, and it's he his character was never supposed to be there. It was just a fun thing that they threw oh. in the concept art. Cool. Poe um, Dameron. Yeah. Poe Dameron. Oh yeah. my god! Why? Yeah. I can't believe I couldn't remember that. I don't think it was yeah, in a long time. So. <laughs> yeah, but like you mentioned earlier, when the, when they roll in with the crawler and like the Imperials are saluting and clapping, the ISB. It, that was what I thought yeah. was interesting. The ISB they brought the Imperial Security Bureau. Bureau. Um, that was yeah. a cool call out. So Laos, you know, Laos from the show, the Crapper's Geek News show, he's always uh, been an Imperial sympathizer. And so I really knew he loved this episode because you saw the humanity behind, like you said, the uh, the the stormtroopers as they rolled into the refinery with the goods. And they were the only one, you know, that day to get there, that transport to get there. So they were they were welcomed like heroes, uh, which yeah, I thought it was, was super cool. It was, it was a really nice spin on perspective to show that yeah. these people are fighting for what they believe in as much. I mean, I think one of the things that makes a villain uh, uh, or an antagonist believable and interesting is to give them a, a, a sense of they believe they're doing the right thing, even yeah. though or it's just your perspective is not. Yeah, because yeah. it gives that character just a bit more believability. Yeah, or, and it's and um, it's you know it's, it's a lot of those guys, and they've said they've already they've toyed with this before. You saw it in the stormtroopers that that captured Baby Yoda. Um, at the end of season one, right? Like they weren't right. nefarious people, even though they punched the baby. That's pretty bad. But like, they just wanted to see the baby. You know, the guy was just like a person. He was obviously there was they were doing a day job, which which I thought was funny. And I actually watched that episode last night, and um, I forgot how many times they they had that chatter where he was like, "Yeah, Moff Gideon just killed a guy just for looking at him wrong." He's like, "Don't come back yeah. yet." It's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll stay here." Yeah, it's always funny to me because it's it, it goes back to that joke of, "Wait, we have." We have skulls on our hats. Are are we the baddies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. thought we were doing the right thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have baby shackles. We're we're bad guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get uh we get a really fun appearance from I think his name is Voss, uh, uh who is Mayfield's commander. Uh, when creepy. when Jin goes into uh, uh get the information from the terminal. So I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. He takes his helmet off, which is this whole. Helmet rules part two for the love of Grogu, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> it was a really intense moment. And then it gets extended out by having his commander come over and well, playing that, deaf was so funny to me. I <laughs> love that. that it was, was it was really funny to me. And what really struck me with that specifically is that you walk in and it's like, wow, heroes welcoming like these guys are just regular people, right? Like they're just doing a job. They're just soldiers. They're just trying to get along. And then all of a sudden you're like, OK, man, he's got his helmet off. He does the face scan. He's whatever that, that security is for some reason. Um, you know, he got what he needed to and he was ready to go. And then they sit down with that captain, and then you remember, and it almost like, it doesn't tell you, but you remember by the way that guy smiles and the creepy snarkiness and the way that he talks, and like, you're just like, oh yeah, these, these, yeah. some of these good, guys are evil. Good, pe- good <laughs> people with evil leaders. And that and actor is, uh, by the way, Richard Brake. He was, uh, he is a fantastic actor at playing a super creepy dude yeah. he's so scummy he, he was the first time i saw him was in the movie doom uh with the rock he, he played one of the soldiers and he was really scummy in that one but he's also briefly appears in batman begins as joe chill oh yeah uh, i heard that the, That's the one thing on joe chill is what i heard 
Yeah, and his biggest role to date is one nobody recognizes him for, and it was in Game of Thrones. He he played the Night King. Yeah, so yeah, the Night King. Uh, yeah he is he is just wonderfully evil just, and sadistic in this, and I I love that he got his comeuppance in it. Like I it just, just oh. I mean, it just really it's it, it makes me really think because I'm sitting there, I'm trying to just be in the episode as much as I can, and it was like you know I, I see them, and again it's like oh yeah, these guys are just normal people, and then all of a sudden it's almost like this chill that comes over, and it's like this guy is creepy. Like yeah. it just really struck me as like as soon as I was starting to sympathize and say yeah, these guys are just whatever. All of a sudden, I'm like, nope, they're the enemy, and that was, you know, that was a good, good crack shot from uh, Mayfield, like you said, and just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, yeah that yeah. guy. It, well, and it, it balances so well off of Bill Burr's acting. Uh, it's like it really brought out his humanity at the same time. I was just, I, I thought that was an incredible scene, and even like the little jokes, like, yeah, he's a little hard of hearing, and of course, you know, old the brown TBS eyes. reports, yeah, old brown eyes, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, there's. The TPS reports joke and like all of that, that whole sequence was probably my favorite part of the entire episode. I got a favorite part that's coming up. That wasn't it, but it was close. Uh, okay. But there's two, there's two big kind of uh, elephants in the room. Operation Cinder. We got to talk about that for a second because I right. played the Battlefront campaign through and through. And I, I've actually yeah, played yeah. it twice. It's not a very long campaign, but I've played it twice. And you really get an understanding, and you because you've heard Operation Cinder before, but you really got an idea of what it was during that, and then the fact that Bill Burr was involved, and they destroyed one of the planets with all his, his battalions on it, and yada yada. It just like again, it just worlds built, world builds in this fantastic way that to the casual fan, as I noticed last night as I was watching with my father in law, the casual fan it goes right over, but for anybody right. that has kind of any background on it, it's like oh, that was a deep cut. And that was was awesome to see. That's where that's where Bill Burr was affiliated. As I said at the beginning of this episode, it's like where, where what was he doing? That's what he was doing, and that was a uh, substantial. So oh yeah, yeah. and it's awesome. I I I think I've mentioned it before. I love that casual fans can enjoy this scene just as much as a hardcore fan. But the Such hardcore fans are seeing all this extended universe stuff get filled in. You know, it's like the Wikipedia has started exploding with all this new information and tie-ins and bringing all this stuff that was considered extended or legacy kind of canon being brought back into the fold. So I love how much of this is just bringing everything back. Yep. Um, and I, I, I think we can't fail to mention uh, that shot that Mayfield makes at the end, blowing up the, uh, blowing up the, 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 the entire base. Yeah, for uh, sure. It's kind of like Mayfield did right, and 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 at the end they did Mayfield right. You know, I, yeah. I hope to see Bill Burr's character come back again because it's just this uh, uh, really nice way of sending off the character and leaving that story open for more exploration. So I mentioned that my my favorite part came up. My favorite part that almost brought me to tears was was simply Boba Fett dropping a seismic charge in those two ties so just before <laughs> just before they get rid of Bill Burr and they let him go and whatnot. They were escaping the base. There's two ties chasing. They had blown it up, looking good. Everything looks great. And then there's two ties on 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 his tail. What does he do? I haven't heard that noise since you know I don't know 2001 oh, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but man, that was one of my favorite scenes when Obi Wan is chasing Django through the asteroid field and Django's dropping these seismic charges and it's just like dead silence, boom, like and it just had the most fantastic kind of experience. Um, and I just really really enjoyed that to just like drop it in mid to low atmosphere, just boom. It was like it just <laughs> it gave me all the feels from the prequels. It gave right. me for me every- it was. The blaster sound 
Yeah. Just that multi cannon sound. The 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 seismic charge, it it gave me chills. Like I gave had goosebumps. Seriously brought me to tears. I'm like, oh, that's all I wanted was a seismic charge. It's so great. Yeah. And then at the very end, we also have Mando taunting Gideon on his own bridge with his own lines from the first season. which I thought was such a great callback. It was uh a powerful moment. Yeah, I, I really think so too. And again, I just watched the season finale of the first one, first season, and um, and yeah, he stands outside that bar they were held up in, and he says the exact same line. You know, you'll have no idea how much this kid means to me, and he throws it right back in his face. Right. Moff Gideon have something this, that I want. <laughs> yeah, he he's not even you know really scared. He does he doesn't see he doesn't seem to be too bothered yet. That will change real soon. But um, yeah, it was it was a good line to throw back in his face, and you could tell Mando is pissed. So, oh yeah, yeah. And I think that rolls us right, right into, into episode eight. Did you have any anything else that you wanted to add on episode seven? No, those are those are my hot takes. Again, um, loved it. I loved the banter with Mando and uh, Mayfield. I thought the hero's welcome was fantastic. That create that creepy gen like so much happened. One thing right. about this though that I did want to clarify because some people have said, "Well, he took his helmet off." What does that mean? You know, Star and we'll get into this as well. But Star Wars is all about killing the past, right? It's not right. killing so much, but but moving on, evolving, becoming something greater or better than you were. And so Ruff. when I saw this time, you know, because he only took the helmet off one time last season, but this time you could tell, okay, this happened. He didn't explode. He didn't die. He didn't break his – you know, he had to do it for the mission to accomplish his mission of, of getting back with Baby Yoda and getting Baby Yoda where it needed to go. So I always – I saw this as the first sign, and I said, mm, this is where it is. It's this is the turning point. He took it right. off for this mission, and he has grown as a you know as an individual, and he has to break some of his own rules to do it. And I think that's what the core of Star Wars is: is about being better and and growing as a person and growing right. as a good person, growing as a character and evolving and not being trapped by your past. Right. And and I mean uh, Mayfield's also a perfect example of that. Just by that one little human moment where he's like, "I didn't see anything. Yep, nothing yep. happened." Uh, that that just makes you, you see good guy Mayfield, and it just makes it that much more of an effective transition. Yep, hundred percent. That's good. And so, speaking of evolution, let's let's jump right into um, episode eight, uh, the rescue. So. Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, directed by Peyton Reed, who also did the passenger episode from earlier in this season. That was probably the weakest episode of of the second season. Uh the past Frog Lady? Yeah, yeah, that was that was I mean I liked it, but it was yeah. it, uh, when I mean, when I say it's the weakest episode, I mean out of eight really fantastic episodes, that one was probably at the bottom. That still put that still makes it better than the majority of the shows that I watch sure. entire seasons. You know, yeah, I agree with you because they do. You know, episode one or season one had a um, had quite a few episodes that you could consider filler, and I right. think some of them were just at filler. You know, and I, this is the this is really for this season the one that did feel like filler. I'm mean, not th- not this episode, but that that the passenger the yeah. passenger yeah that that one sound felt like filler to me where they were just trying to get from A to Z. And they just needed an interesting thing to throw up, a wrinkle to throw in the way. Um, totally agree. The, the but, finale, not not filler. I don't don't be confused with what I yeah. what I was trying no, to say. No, the there. finale, the finale is is the best episode. Yeah, just for everything it brings together. I mean, I there were more important moments in the show for me this season, but episode eight brought everything together. Oh, it's incredible. Let's let's start from the beginning. So first of all, that that shuttle pilot that survived the Death Star, that whole exchange with Cara Duke, crazy. Oh, it's odd, but yeah, 
but man, blaster in the face. That's, like, that's exactly <laughs> what I, I go in the face. <laughs> but it's cool because no, like, they've got the the tri-wing. Those are called aren't they Tiberian shuttles or are they something else? Am I saying? I think they're name? Tiberian shuttles. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a. Well, I don't know if it's the same model that showed up in Episode Six, but it's it looks a very, very similar. similar. I'm staring model. at a picture yeah. of it. It looks very very similar, but but who knows? It may it may not be. Those um, have always been my favorite spaceship. In, it's very in, recognizable throughout Star Wars. I still love that ship, and I love the variations that show up in like the Clone Wars area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've always enjoyed that shuttle, so uh, it, it's always cool when I see that. But man, the, the Slave One again, taking you know, just just taking names like just like it can, like it ain't no, it ain't, like it's his job, just with those <laughs> those dual blasters again, um, and it you know they got to obviously. Uh, you know, disable the ship, and so they're, they're on yeah. board, and that's where that dialogue takes place, think, like you say, which they got I, on board really quickly. I don't know how that well, happens that, in space. <laughs> and I found that interesting, yeah, because it's it, this is the first time, I think, that we have ever seen two ships that size, that, that smallest size, come together and do a ship-to-ship ship exchange yeah, or, or, like, yeah. invasion kind of thing. So it makes you wonder, like, how exactly does Slave 1... Is Slave 1 designed for pirate activity like that it's i don't know you don't see it but it's it's still it's really question. interesting yeah. yeah yeah no i agree and like you said before when we're talking offline you know there's the, the 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 good part of this is what leaves you thinking about it and really saying like huh because that that's what's going to get me through the gap until we get more mando is, is wikipedia <laughs> rabbit holes that i can run down but yeah. but anyways yeah not so, to mention other shows because we got nine more shows coming yeah yeah but yeah. um yeah the then we jump straight into the bar uh, where we've got Bo-Katan sitting with, I cannot remember that character's name, uh, the the one shot, Sasha Blank, shot Sasha, Sasha Banks, Banks, yeah, Banks, um, she's, uh, Ko- Ko- Koshka, Koska Koska Reeves, Koska, 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 Reeves, Koska like yeah. yeah, Koska, I think she calls her a couple times, but yeah, but, yeah man, that was pretty l- little standoff between her and Boba, I was like, come on guys, oh, take it easy here, all right? That meeting was really, it was really great, I mean, bar fights are great, and, 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 but it was the exchange between Bo-Katan and Fett that really made that, uh, a great moment like like lo- the fact that she recognizes him just based off of his voice like yeah. i've heard that voice so many times well, that she's, he, i mean when she said that i was like oh yeah there's only a billion clones out there i'm right. sure she has and she comes from that clone wars era right it's right. it's a great reminder of that and, and and the best line ever it's like my father's armor oh don't you mean your donor like Ooh, <laughs> that yeah. was cold. That was it cold. Was... That was stone cold. She already she is though. She's you could tell she's she's got that snooty like she handles that's not snooty, but she handles that persona where she she's a hardened warrior and I understand that completely, but she also has this entitlement and you can tell that. You right. Know, she, well she's she's had that history from yeah. Clone Wars. You know, that character has always been kind of um hard outer shell, uh driven, hardened warrior huge history, huge responsibility behind her um, and, and somewhat domineering around other people. And I, I, it's a powerful character and it's really interesting seeing like a type personalities come together and just duke it out. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I did like that dialogue and I was actually trying to comb the room. I don't know if you saw, there was a couple, um, maybe not new, but there was a couple new species that I saw. There was a couple, I think there was like the eight, the not eight man, but like the guy with the blue skin and like the big hairy face. looks almost like a monkey. Oh um, right, right. And I saw a whole. I saw there was a whole a whole slew of them in there. But anyways, um, I, I, like I kind of I kind of slowly scanned the room, but I didn't really see too much. It jumped out, but the outside the shipyard 
where there are some really awesome ships sitting there. I think there. theirs um, is the big one with the big back. wings, right? Yes, yeah. So the way it lifts and pivots, it's, yeah, it's so cool. It's That's popped so cool. up in Clone Wars before. I think it popped up in Rebels as well. And it's it's a really fun ship. Yeah, I love that. I love that design. So um, anyways, all right. So they're, they're leaving the bar. So they're actually, I guess, yep. out of the bar. They're heading to... Um, they start planning the, the invasion on the shuttle with uh, Pershing in the room and talking yep. about how they're gonna how they're gonna take out the cruiser. He was um, awful helpful. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, Pershing helps out, and I find that super cool. It's it's a, a kind of a reference back to season one where Pershing was very much came off as the unwilling scientist. Like he's yeah. literally had a gun held to his head to do this yeah. horrible thing to Baby Yoda, and and. I don't know. It's almost like a redemption for Pershing. He's like, no, no, no. There's there's a lot more going on. There's dark troopers on that ship. Like, you don't don't mess around. This is this is serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah like- I, I I really enjoyed that uh, that little nod to him to show his character is not soulless, just forced. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's humanity. Like we keep we keep ringing on that that you know keeps getting reminded of as you see these folks. So. Um, very good, very good. Um, okay, so the, the showdown going into the launch tube, as which was invading. cool. I like that scene. Very fun. Um, yeah. and then we get we get the invasion, and, and uh, there, this was such a great feature. Fights for females is kind of what I yeah. call this section. So this you got. Four it's a glimpse of the through. Rangers of the New Republic show. That's what I. Yes. That's what I consider of. I said these guys, maybe not Bo-Katan, but these guys are definitely you're, you're going to see this where it's Finnick and it's uh, uh, Cara Dune and it's you know uh, yeah. some possibly ladies, men, who knows who else is in this thing. But I think there's yeah. going to be Cobb Vanth. You know, probably be featured in it at one point in time. Um, Fennec Shand had one of the best fight sequences in that room where she just says, cover me. And then she goes in and just owns the room. Yeah. (laughs) Some troopers can't still hit shit. They can't hit anything. That's a fact. We've known that very long now. But man, all three of them takes clears that entire cruiser. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then Sasha Banks actually got a rocket power rocket power DDT in. And I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, The only part of that whole sequence I didn't like was. Cara Dune, my gun's jammed. I I don't yeah. I don't get my gun jams when you're dealing with space guns. You know, I don't either. It's, it's, it's always she, something that's bothered me. She seems to be the token line person, and there's always one, right? Like, the, I, I I look back at the um, episode uh, six, I think it was review or episode five from season two that I reviewed um, without you know it was just one of the ones that I did, and she had a line there that was like. With these stripes, I can't, you know, I can't cross over the line with these stripes. And it was like referring to like how now she's part of the Republic, whatever. I'm like, all right, like those lines just really in those situations where it's like, all right, she, somebody's got to be, I guess, the token person that says that. And she right. just was. So it's she, yeah, she, her, she, she pulls the paladin and, role quite a yeah. bit where she's the honored soldier. And, right. Yeah. You know. Right. And she takes her she uses her gun as like a baseball bat at that point. I'm like, all right, that's not going to fix your gun. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what the thing I think the whole gun jam thing is to give that to show that. That character is not relying on their weapon. They can have this whole other, se- you know, th- these other skills where it's like, all right, even without a gun, I'm a total badass, and this gives me a chance to do hand to hand combat. Yeah. So I think that those are used as an excuse. But my like my guns jammed is one of the worst ones I've ever heard from this show. I would I would have much rather preferred uh, my my gun needs recharging or something similar to that. Yeah. So yeah. it does. There's no moving parts in a space gun. So how do space guns jam? <laughs> um, did you catch the uh, the Death Star droid walking through the halls? I like that one too. I did. That Haven't was fun. Haven't seen that guy in a while. Yeah, he's been. Uh, 
uh, yeah, he always reminds me of Dot from Spaceballs. You <laughs> yeah, know, he's got that RA7, same look. RA7 droid, and I do, I right, do right. every time I see one of those, I'm like, huh, that's our droid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we get Dark Trooper version 3. That Very was cool. so wild to hear. Uh, that whole fight sequence between um, Mando and the Dark Trooper is I really enjoyed it. The head punches were brutal. I, I think it. Re- yeah, no, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, but like that was exactly right. I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, oh no, how's he gonna do this? And all of a sudden, he punches helmet once. I'm like, oh yeah, the helmet. It's <laughs> like it just goes <laughs> to show you that like he uses his armor and he really does, you know, use it. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it also highlights how Beskar is similar to vibranium, like the vibranium shield that Captain America has. Beskar's strength seems to reflect that because. Even like if you were wearing a steel helmet and somebody punched you in a steel helmet, you're still going to feel that punch. Your head's going to rattle around in there. And it's so I always find it interesting that when he takes a blow, very rarely does he react like he's taking a blow, because I think Beskar has this kind of vibranium uh, kinetic removal effect whenever uh, whenever they make contact with something. And you see that also in the spear. The, the Beskar spear against the, the Darksaber where the spear is stopping the blow, but there's no like back and forth reaction. Like it really does feel like it's do, removing that uh, that that kinetic force that, that goes yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. I agree because it wasn't like two, you know, cutlasses that are going shing, shing, shing. I mean, it was it was it was like a it was honestly like a, more of like a lightsaber, you know, kind of effect right. or, or fight. And, and it was um it was good. We got to see the rules of the dark saber, which I thought was interesting because the yeah. dark saber is not a lightsaber. It's right. different. You know, but what are they and what are the rules? Uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll go on to explain it later, but they go on to to explain who can wield it and what does it mean when you do right. and how do you get it? I mean, that stuff was interesting, too. So um, yeah. I love the Darksaber. I really think I thought it was always the most interesting weapon of the whole franchise. And what a great idea to give it to Moff Gideon, who I think is I think he's just one of the best villains. He's one of the ultimate villains from. Uh, Star Wars. He's he he embodies like bring it into role playing a little. He embodies lawful evil. He yeah. is an evil person. He's conniving and he's and he's uh, ruthless. But he follows the rules of good versus evil. You know he's yeah. I got I got almost a little thrown with that because that dialogue they had where he was like genuinely talking to him. He's like you're you know you're pretty good at this and this is this and I'm not trying to kill you know I don't want you I just want and you right. can tell he was like. He wasn't baiting Mando, but he was just having a serious conversation that wasn't about anything evil. I mean, it wasn't about, you know, just the Empire of this. It was just kind of like, we're having dialogue. We understand we're both going through this thing. And you really thought for a second he was just going to hand over the baby. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I mean, I don't know. There, you, yeah. you pick up the sudden but inevitable betrayal kind of vibe from that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really, I love that line. Assume that I know everything. I think yeah. that's such an interesting line. And, and I think in part, it kind of implies that I don't, I don't think the dark saber um, necessarily, but it, it almost implies that Moff Gideon has some uh, residual force ability, you know, because uh, it's not like he saw the 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 uh, whistling, uh, the whistling missiles. Uh, I can't remember their name. Uh, the It's not like he saw that fight on a camera, but he knew that he fired it. I mean, I think that's interesting. Yeah, um, he's got he has a keen sense, or he's just a, a hyper intelligent individual that that like Thrawn again. I'm, I keep throwing Thrawn because they mentioned him in this show, yeah. and I know that he, he's under some sort of he's got some connection to Gideon, and I think that again, 
very intelligent and observant observant people you know in this universe can can they amaze you when they're like oh yeah i saw this or i was aware of that and he just may get information from everywhere or he's just hyper observant where he said i you know i could see that there was this or whatever i don't know if that's exactly the point because that way you know there was a lot of non-shielded parts on mando that that at any one point in time could can be taken advantage of so i don't maybe that's not it maybe maybe he's just an intelligent guy that that has good intelligent network i don't i don't know but yeah He's well, I, mean, I think always in 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 the Empire, you've always seen that competency floats to the top. Yeah. You always see people like Thrawn, people like Moth Gideon are very much tacticians. Yeah, they, tactician. They're thinking several steps ahead. And yep. so they're more uh, they're definitely more educated and more prepared for conflict. But um, it, it, it always seems like the competency is rising to the top like cream and everything else behind them is just completely incompetent. Yep. So. All right, so we're running low on time. Um, I want to get to the big bomb here, um, but first yeah. the 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 rules. So so again, we're seeing this battle go. Kind of you know, Mando walks in. He's got the dark saber now. What did you think about him not being able to hand it over to Bo? You know, Bo Bo Katan was saying this whole time. You're part of a death cult, and you're the you know you're the the you shouldn't follow that. True Mandalorians don't do that. And then as badly as she wants that blade, he goes to give it to her, and she says, "I can't take it." Um, I, yeah, thought I thought that was. Super interesting. I, I thought it was very interesting too. I think um, I think part of it is also reflecting Moff Gideon once again being the tactician and 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 trying to pin him against. Pitting, yeah, pitting the heroes against each other. I I, I don't fully understand what's going on with Bo-Katan in this scene because uh, if you roll back to Star Wars Rebels, uh, Sabine. Yep, I had that same. Had the dark saber originally, yeah. and and but she handed it handed directly right over. to Bo-Katan. That was their problem. But I think the difference there was that. All the clan elders were witness in that scene. Like you had all the different clan leaders saying, well, it was a union I approve, or, I approve, I it approve. Was substantial. It was, there was yeah. a battle that was essentially won, and maybe that's figuratively how But it how wasn't can... Bo Katan who won that battle, it was Sabine. Yeah. Right, so right. it's, I think that maybe it's a reference to Bo Katan saying, I don't believe you are a true Mandalorian, so I can't accept it. Or maybe it's, um, her thinking ahead and saying, well, if it turns out that people find out this Din Djarin guy was actually the one who defeated it and I just happened to have this, uh, Bo-Katan got it through Din Djarin. That takes away some of the legitimacy of her claim to you reuniting Mandalore. For sure. So I think For it's sure. something to do with that. I, 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 I don't think that we're going to see a massive I'm going to kill you kind of moment. I think, I mean, even he was like, you know what? I yield here. She's like, well, I can't win it that way either. I, I think you're going to see a, a one-to-one combat at some point between the two of them, but I don't think one's going to kill the other. I think there will be a yield moment. She'll earn that respect, but still find a way to not kill uh, Dinge. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's something related to that. I did think it was interesting how it, became a plot point that was very much set up to finish the season with. It's like, oh, okay, we've got we've got this little cliffhanger of of how yeah. is he going to get the dark saber to her. Um but that takes us into probably the most important part of our conversation was Can I say the it? Hallway Can I say, it? Se- say it. Can I say it? Say it. Luke Skywalker, that's all I had oh. to say. But like so the the X-wing didn't totally sell it for me cuz I'm like, okay, okay. Oh yeah, Ahsoka. no, no, no. When the X-wing came by, it was very much who's Anybody that Jedi? Could be in an X-wing. Yeah, it could have been Ezra. It could have been nobody. It could have been an absolute nobody. Yeah. Um, it could have just been some new character they wanted to introduce. You know who but... I knew? I knew it because of the belt buckle. That's how I knew I, it. I saw the that, but before that, I saw the, the green. 
Yeah. I saw the green lightsaber well, you saw and I the went belt buckle before you there. saw the green because it's black and white. You couldn't. But tell you also green saw is. his his black glove on his right hand, and then you could see his regular hand. It was like, oh yeah, it's all the yeah. I was like, it's just lit. be green, just be green, yeah. just be green, and then it was green. I was like, oh yes. I'm like, that's yeah. it, that's it, that's it. And then, like you said, go on the ho- the hallway. Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh man, that was gut that punches galore. Scene, though, immediately, I knew what it was. Wait, they were waiting. They turned around. I'm like, yep, here it is. This is this is our Rogue One moment. I'm like, you saw what I want to do, and I I haven't figured it out. I haven't gotten a chance to do it yet, but I want to overlay Vader's hallway scene with that hallway scene which is much shorter so it won't really be a great video but if you could put those comparatively together just in the way that they took care of business and also ahsoka's scene back in episode five i believe it was um i I think all three of those scenes share a common root of uh jedis owning (laughs) non-jedis yeah force users owning non-force users but i would i would be very interested to see the parallels in those fights yeah, because he didn't. He didn't have to crush the last guy like a can. He just decided to. And it, <laughs> it was, was like, like good eh, God, let's have some fun. Let's let's really let's really drive this home. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't as as, um, as like jaw dropping as the hallway Vader scene, but it was the Luke that we all wanted in the sequel trilogies. We, I think that I, I don't know how much more we're gonna get of that, but we wanted to see badass Luke, and this was badass yeah. Luke. Yeah, so, absolutely. And I, I, I think there's gonna be a whole discussion again about cgi usage and honestly i could care less i it I, good. I i i don't think it looked good i don't think it looked bad i thought it was just meant to keep you keep you in the story and accept that yes this is luke and i think it did a great job of that i think people are gonna get all up in arms about the cgi thing and i'm gonna just say let it go yeah. you know enjoy the fact that the story is going this way and right. i think uh, i think uh to, just to move on from that because i really don't want to talk about that too much um r2 yeah. bonus was great <laughs> but it R2. felt it felt so forced yeah it felt like it's like you know we were creating like what was it 45 seconds of grogu talking to r2 in this weird little moment i was like this feels really forced like okay we gotta we've got luke so we gotta have r2 so we've gotta we're gonna do a little callback for everybody i don't know i just well, i didn't care much for that so the reason i dismissed that more quickly is because um canonically that's what the story was that's where the story because you saw luke also in battlefront 2 and and R- right. i believe r2 was there with him but mm-hmm. but canonically the story is that at this point in this in the canon luke and r2 on the back you know r2's with him in the x-wing so of course he'd bring him right. in why, why wouldn't he but luke is traveling the galaxy looking for artifacts looking for pieces trying to gather f- foundationally for his jedi temple and the new order and things like that so like you know, all this stuff makes sense, and it would make sense that R two's there now. Why did he just pop around the corner? That was fan service. Like obviously, he didn't need to. Could have waited in the ship. He waited in the ship right. plenty of times before, so he could have been there. But 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 canonically, to show R two was there with Luke on these adventures and stuff that he's doing, that makes sense, and that has already been proven in the story. So I didn't sure. hate that part. But you're right, a little little padding for the well, fans there. Yeah, and 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 again, we get into the helmet rule game. Yep. Um I really loved it, though. In this moment, I thought it was perfect and appropriate. And it makes you kind of wonder about the growth of his character. Is he letting go of tradition? Is he finding a new faith in himself of, of you know, do I really need to follow this cult rule? Do I need to, you know, maybe Mayfield got through to him a little and go, you know, I'm starting to question my traditions. But really, it doesn't come down to that. It comes down to a really touching moment between a surrogate father and an orphan child. And I I, I thought it was beautiful. And that's what I like. It's not that the previous episode, you know, the one we just talked about, the believers set him him up for that. 
it was that, you know, that was the first time he did it, understanding that was part of his mission. This time, like you said, he did it as a heartfelt gesture to say, you know, I'm never going to see this kid. I, there's a chance I might not see this kid again. He said, we'll see each other again. I got that. But there's a chance, you know, they're going to have some time apart. And so he did that so that, you know, him and that baby had a connection. And, and of course, all of his buddies in the room and whatnot. But I think that's the turning point that I was explaining in the first in the, the, the part, the first part of this review with the, the previous episode is that, you know, he's letting the past die, of course, not die figur- figuratively. He's, he's saying, right. okay, I have to hand over the baby. This is my mission. This is what I'm supposed to do. He's better off for it. Here you go. And they had a very touching experience. Yeah. So this is the way. Yeah. This exactly. is the way. All right. But, um, so, you know, it does make you one last note. I think a funny thought about this is Grogu's future. If, if, if nothing changes, at the very least, it, it leads to this possibility that Kylo Ren killed Grogu. Oh, I'm just throwing it out there. Or he was so <laughs> Grogu was now present at the the Jedi, you know, during the Jedi Temple in Coruscant during Order sixty six, and obviously he's going to be in Luke's uh, new temple. So he's part of that too. Like this little baby has experienced more of the Star Wars canon than the, <laughs> like most people have, and he's not some even of, affiliated with it. It's crazy. Yes, yeah, some of the biggest moments ever. Yeah, yeah, some of the biggest moments ever. And he just happens to be there <laughs> eating snacks in the cafeteria when all this going down. So all right, all right. End scene, and then we got to wrap this thing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No concept art really made me sad because that's actually one of my favorite parts of the shows. But we end up with this really post-credit awesomeness. So we've got and the, we've the got change in the music. That the, oh, in addition yeah. to the to the post-credit scene where we did you know our, our no 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 credit no uh, concept art, the, the music changed back to a uh, an orchestral John Williams esque kind of. Yeah, All and right, we, we're kind of closing it out. That was important. We've got and, we've got Tatooine. We've got Bib Fortuna. We even got a clunky ref, McClunky reference. We got Gamorrean guards. We got and a then, big fat Bib Fortuna. That guy got oh, huge. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he got he got less small. <laughs> but <laughs> taking Boba Fett takes that throne and sits down. Fennec behind him, chugging the Spotchka. It it's like this whole Conan style scene that I just like Conan the Barbarian kind of thing that is just really great. It really left me thinking. I just I can't imagine why. Like think about it. You almost died on a planet in a big monster mouth from a, some gangster and some rebel teens that basically killed you. Why would you go back there? I don't know. Is he trying so, to do a syndicate thing? I don't. Well, I just that's can't. what I'm kind of wondering because when you think about uh, how. He was able to get Fennec Shan the medical help and the cybernetics that she needed before she could bleed out. Um, he's got to have some kind of infrastructure behind him. We haven't really seen much. We assume a lot about Boba Fett's history, but we don't really know what he's been going through. It's very possible that he's been setting up his own crime network uh, on Tatooine. Uh, maybe he maybe he was waiting to storm that that Jabba's palace, for lack of a better term, until he had his armor. Like it, it's a symbolic gesture of I've returned. I am I am my full self. Nobody will recognize me unless I have that armor. And I've it's a symbolic gesture of I've got it. Now I can take over uh, uh, Bib Fortuna's uh, network. Now uh, yeah. he's the leader. I just, I, I just don't understand because he obviously had that plan. Like if, he, if we hadn't interrupted him or he wouldn't, you know, that Cobb Van thing and him from episode one of this second season, if that hadn't happened, you know, that would have been his next bu- jump if he wasn't fooling around with Mando trying to do all this stuff. So, you know, all yeah, right. Also- like I, that was just his plan, I guess. He was going there next regardless as soon as he got his armor back and that was his agenda. No, like, hesitation there. It also makes you wonder why he couldn't take the armor from Cobb Vanth anytime that he wanted to. You know, it's it's yeah. I, I think that's unlikely given what we've seen. Yeah. I am looking forward to this idea of the Book of Fett. 
Um, I think it, I, I love the idea of like where season four or five maybe becomes the book of Bo-Katan. Like, I think the show name is, is been mistaken. I think people have been thinking the Mandalorian is the character and what, this is showing us is it's not it's Mandalorian as the culture. Yeah. I think we're still going to get Din Djarin, but it, it's going to be in these stories. It's it's I don't think it's a new show spinoff because we have nine more coming. I think it's just a new direction and a new storyline for the show. And I think it's going to focus more on Boba Fett's rise to power in the Hut Syndicate. And I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to have uh, Din Djarin involved. Um, so I, I'm really not sure how, how it's going to move forward, but I think it's definitely going to tie in with all these new shows. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Um, and we've been going for far longer than I think we wanted to, uh, originally. So let's <laughs> wrap it up. There's so much totally, to talk about. Know, so it was, was, it was impossible. Yeah. There were, there was a lot to unpack there. So I, I agree, but, um, you know, we'll continue this chatter, this dialogue, and these reviews even beyond as we start. Because I think that, you know, just like previous episodes, information, like you said, as the Wikipedia starts to build and connections are made and that spaghetti chart starts to come together, you know, more dialogue is, is going to happen. So um, we encourage you guys to join us on the Facebook uh, Craft Brews Geek News. Please do. I know we'll be talking about it. Probably won't be today, considering the episode <laughs> dropped this morning and we're doing a very early review because we're just so excited. Um, <laughs> but it will definitely, um, it will definitely be talking about it there. So we encourage you guys to join um, up and, and meet us there. And, and I hope that you enjoyed this. I certainly did. Um, Man, Mando, you know, hats or helmets off to you for that end of a of a fantastic season. Um, but Joe, wrap us up. Give us your 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 um, your final thoughts here, and we'll we'll call this thing a day for yet another and possibly the last of the year episode of the Fandalorian. So, Joe, take us home. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening. I hope I hope you enjoy this season and this show as much as we have been. And uh, we really enjoyed doing these reviews and discussing the show episode by episode and coming up with theories. We, we're passionate Star Wars fans, and we're really we're we're loving the fact that we can share that passion with you. Um, that we have some new content to talk about that's canon. So um, thanks again. Please join us on the Facebook group, like like Donnie said. Um, we hope to uh, continue these. We're going to see if we can maybe uh, do these with new shows in the future. Um, we've got a lot of variety to pick from. And if you don't know that list, go ahead and check out our, uh, uh, we, This Week in Geek uh, segment for a full listing this week. And yep. again, thank you for listening. And thank yep. you, Donnie. Yep. Thank you, Joe. And everybody else, um, we'll see you next time. Uh, we appreciate you here on uh, the final episode for 2020 and season two of The Fandalorian. That's right. Have a great one, everyone. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Brewmasters Club, Craft Brews and Geek News. Grab a beer with the guys and be sure to subscribe to catch additional content. Add this podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Chat with the guys on Twitter at Brewmasters Club and Facebook and online at www.brewmasters.club. Cheers. This podcast is part of the Craftology Radio Network. Listen, we get the Craft Brews and Geek News show is way better than it ought to be. If you'd like to learn more about other shows that we have on our network, please subscribe to the Craft Brews and Geek News podcast. Visit craftologyradio.com to learn more.